0: Welcome to High Heels in Politics with Mary Ann Christie. This is the podcast where current and future leaders discuss the issues facing us in Southwest Ohio and beyond.
1: Here is Mary Ann Christie. High Heels in Politics podcast today will focus on political fundraising. Are you considering running for a position on city or village council this year? What about seeking a position as a township trustee or for a school board? If yes, then you need to start your campaign now. Petitions to run for office need to be filed by August 4th with the Board of Elections. You will now need to consider how to raise money for your campaign. Our guest, Susan Humphrey, is an expert on campaign financing. She has been the Ohio Republican Party Finance Director, raising over $7 million in the 2020 election cycle and has worked on major fundraising events across Ohio for over 60 Ohio legislative races. Susan lived in Cincinnati for over six years during her career. She has raised money for a number of local campaigns, including County Prosecutor Joe Dieters, County Commissioner Hartman, and judges. Today, she is the CEO of her own political fundraising consultant company called Precisions 88. Your high heels and politics narrators will be Mary Ann Christie from Hamilton County and Linda Burke from Warren County. Both who've had years of elected and campaign experience and know the difficulty it is to raise money. Hi, Mary Ann Christie, am presently a member of the Ohio Republican State Central Committee representing Senate District 8 and was the first woman elected to Madeira City Council and served as mayor.
0: Hi, this is Linda Burke representing Warren County. Presently, I am sitting on the, or I was elected to, South Lebanon Village Council where I serve today. Candidates need to be organized and adapt to the changing nature of offline and online campaigning.
1: Susan, welcome to High Heels in Politics. Your presentation will focus on the ways local candidates should consider to raise money. What are the first steps, Susan?
2: Well, thanks, Marianne. And I'm so glad to be with you guys today. Well, I think you actually kind of hit the nail on the head uh, when you mentioned the August deadline. One of the first things that you need to do once you decide to run is to go to your local board of elections. They will help prepare you for everything that you need to be a candidate following all the rules and do that, you know, to the letter of the law responsibly. Boards of Elections, they are just a, a really great resource and the staff care very much about running effective elections and making you successful as a candidate. When you go to the Board of Elections, you'll be talking about all kinds of things that you're going to need and asking lots of questions. One of the things that they're going to tell you, and this kind of gets us onto the fundraising track, is that you are one of the first actions that you're going to need to take is to file a designation of treasurer form. That's basically opening up your committee. It files your committee name. You name a treasurer. Some candidates choose to do all of the, the treasury work for their campaigns themselves. I recommend not <laughs> doing that um, if you can. If you can find a trustworthy friend or a volunteer that can help you just keep track of your your fundraising and your finances and all of the reporting that goes along with it, I highly recommend that. So you'll file that form and, and then you're kind of on your way as far as the fundraising piece of this goes. And then next, working with your treasurer, you set up your bank account so you can accept all of your funds, kind of basic stuff. From there, you can actually begin creating your plan. I highly recommend once you kind of have your all of your ducks in a row to really sit down and plan out how much you think you're going to need to win. There's a lot of factors that go into that. That's where you figuring out how many doors you want to knock on, potentially how many mail pieces you want to send and voters you want to target. That will also advise you perhaps, are you going to be, especially for local candidates, are you going to be paying for maybe some local newspaper ads or perhaps some radio? How about yard signs and, you know, sort of big, some of the bigger signs that you can put out there? It's all of those things have a cost. How much are your lip pieces? Are you going to buy t-shirts for your volunteers for parades? Are you going to have candy in the parades? All of that has a cost. So create a budget. And then next for me, I'm a planner. And I think with fundraising, you want to create a plan to win. You want to create a roadmap to win. Creating a finance plan, in my opinion, is one of the most important first things you can do after some of these initial steps, right? Again, it's your roadmap to win, it keeps you accountable. And really, what you can do after you set your budget, and again, doing all of those necessary initial things you need to do to start up and plan and really think strategically about your race, you can use your budget, then plan backwards on the calendar from election day using your budget to help set your finance plan. Let's say that you're wanting to send three mail pieces to voters starting just after Labor Day. There's a cost for each of those. That means you need to have most likely every nickel for every one of those mail pieces by Labor Day, right? So then you say, well, I sure as heck better make sure I have all of my fundraisers planned in June, July and August to make sure I have the money to pay for those. That's how you kind of take your budget work backwards and slot that in to create your finance plan. Next, I would say just the basics of your finance plan should include fundraising event. You like to have events at maybe a local restaurant or you have a friend that's offering their home for you to host a fundraiser. Your plan should include plans to reach out to major donors in your community. And we can talk a little bit about that more later. Those individual one-on-one meetings. You should plan maybe to send a fundraising letter Snail mail is still a really great way to raise money, and you don't always have to do an event to be able to communicate with your donors. And then also your plan can include some digital fundraising, just a blast email here and there and make some requests. Once your finance plan is built, next you need to go ahead and create your database, figure out who you're going to target, who are all of the people that are going to help you
1: Fund this race and win the race. Okay, hey, uh, Susan, can Linda? Add, you know, she just recently ran, and she has some questions and some her own experience to add to this right now.
0: Susan, I wanted to go back to the Board of Elections for a moment because sure. the Board of Elections is there to help you, but a first-time candidate needs to be very, very aware that those petitions have to be filled out correctly. And they need to find someone. The Board of Elections will not advise you on if if it's filled out correctly. So you need to find, I felt, a person who had experience with petitions and make sure that you are getting registered voters to sign that petition. You can go back to the Board of Elections website and check those people out to make sure that you have enough valid signatures to get your name on the ballot. I've seen too many times, too many first-time candidates' petitions kicked because they did not have that reviewed. That's a very important issue to advise a first-time candidate. The other thing was the budget. When we go about planning a local budget, our local campaigns, normally I didn't have any fundraisers per se, I went to family, friends, acquaintances that I had worked with on many, many campaigns, and they were more than willing to step up. But you got to go in with your plan, what you as a candidate will want to do and who you're representing, and let them know precisely how you're going to go about
2: this. I second all of Linda's points about petitions. Petitions kind of get into the realm of the, more of the, the campaign management and political mechanics of the race um, that I know a bit about and enough about but I kind of focus a little bit more on the fundraising sort of piece of things and so but I second Linda's I also have seen lots of examples of errors that can come about and you know as you're starting up you don't get to talk about fundraising and think about fundraising if your petitions are wrong right Linda that's right (laughs) that's exactly Um, right So then, and then to Linda's point about kind of approaching people, you need to tell, you know, you're going to be talking to your donors a little bit about your plan. To Linda's point about, you know, and this kind of comes back to, as I started talking about sort of one of the next steps is to go ahead and build your database. Definitely your friends and your family are going to be some of your first and best, most loyal supporters, right? I, I hope they are otherwise, maybe you should consider not running. (laughs) They better better like you. Then, you know, I would say building on what Linda said about sort of a community to reach out to, depending on how much money you need to raise and how big your race is, how many voters you need to talk to, you might need to be even more creative, right? So that's where you keep expanding out into the community. Look to coalition and civic leaders, you know, talk to them about people who might be interested in your race. If you're running for city council, there's an important issue in the community that perhaps a local civic league might care a whole lot about. I would say that group of people, that civic group could all be really great prospective donors for your campaign. Say it's a black, a block watch group and there's a crime problem. That is one example. Another source that should not be overlooked of possible donors to your campaign are simply active Republican leaders and donors in your county, in your city, in your township. A lot of times there's just sort of like a built-in sort of donor base of people that are constantly there. They keep the lights on for the party, right? They are always willing to, to help local candidates because they believe in And supporting good Republicans, and they want to see that leadership from, as as they say, from the White House to the courthouse. So there's definitely sort of a build-in group of donors there. A lot of times you can, you know, you can talk to your county party chairman, perhaps other Republican club leaders, to see if you might be able to get like a membership list to add into your database. That way you can make sure interested supporters of Republicans in the area know about you know about your events know that you need money that there's an opportunity to support you last but not least I want to encourage and this will go down a rabbit hole that I won't get too detailed with but it's probably my favorite source of potential donors is to utilize your local board of elections by requesting other candidates campaign finance reports So, for instance, if you are running for city council somewhere in Hamilton County, I would go to the local board of elections and request some of your countywide elected officials' most recent campaign finance reports. If nothing else, just to educate yourself on kind of who the donors are that are interested in supporting Republicans in your community Those could also be potential donors to you, right? If they're willing to give to a county commission race, they may also want to support a good Republican running in their local community for Reading City Council or other options like that. So public campaign finance data, it's public, it's free, it's there for you. And if you're smart about it, you can utilize that data for potential donors,
0: Yes, Susan, this is Linda. How do you get your name out to voters quickly and cost-effectively? Should you ask for donations? Tactics for raising money may include direct mail solicitations, a tips to encourage supporters to contribute via the internet, direct solicitations, and events. How do you organize a donor tracking system?
2: This segues perfectly into, so you've built this database, right? You've gone out, you've You've organized all of your friends and family. You've created your list. I suggest doing that in a Microsoft Excel spreadsheet. It's very simple. You can add anyone and everyone who you think could be a potential donor to this spreadsheet. You could get fancy. You maybe can have a tab for your, you know, the, the Civic League group or just Republican donors. Perhaps uh, you could have a tab that's just your direct personal family and supporters that, you know, you could send information to all the time about your events, about your candidacy. I would say the good old Microsoft Excel is a great way to organize yourself to reach various donor groups. From there, the world is your oyster, right? You're kind of ready to go. Once you have your plan and your database, just get out there. Start setting up some fundraising events if you can. like. Do you have some some folks that you would want to approach to come to maybe somebody's home for like a tea or maybe a cocktail hour? I think lots of people listening to this podcast have likely gone to a fundraiser before. Figure out kind of a group that makes sense to invite to a fundraiser and invite them. Make it like a party. Make it fun.
1: And Susan, then how does a candidate, you and I've talked about this, develop a website? Because everybody talks about the social media, you know, for political campaigns and domain name and stuff. This isn't your forte, but our producer, Ryan Kulik, has some comments to make about that. Ryan, do you want to say a few words?
2: Hey, Susan, this is Ryan. So, I can tell you just in my experience, and you obviously have a lot more dealing with the parties themselves, but now it's 2021 and websites, especially for a a local campaign, campaigns of less than 10,000 voters. I, I usually tell them you have social media, you have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, stuff like that, that more people use. Whereas I'm finding less people going to the website. So, outside of just raising money, I tell people the website might not be something you want to really focus on. Focus on where your voters are, which would be social media. Did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think that, and you hit the nail on the head, I don't usually get involved in the website creation. I know that there are some free or very relatively inexpensive resources out there to make a website. I also think that you can do simple things like you, have a, you create a Facebook page for your campaign, right? You can post information about all of your fundraising events, but also political events. Hey, we're going to get together and have a coffee and conversation night at so-and-so's house in the neighborhood to meet and greet the candidate. I mean, there's lots of things that you can do with social media to promote your candidacy and to inform your potential donors and voters uh, kind of about what's going on with your campaign. You can use Twitter like that, too. You can maybe get a little creative with Instagram. There's lots of options out there. I guess I would just urge folks not to get too bogged down in the social media piece of this. In my personal opinion, what still matters at the end of the day, like 80% of the time is just direct, direct voter contact, direct donor contact. That is the highest and best, most effective uh, way for you to build support for your campaign, whether it's to earn a vote or to earn a donation.
1: Uh, Susan, why does a a candidate need money for the absentee voter? What's so important about that?
2: Well, those are your first, that's the first wave of voters, right? You know, we're all encouraged now to vote early. Get your vote in. You never know when something's going to come up. It's important to have your vote count and get it done fast, right? These days, like that's always the request. So because of that, early voting, absentee voting is just a whole new sort of area of importance to campaigns because you sort of are, you know, you have this period for each election cycle where people can request to vote by absentee ballot. All of those requests pile up then at the, you know, if we're talking for a November general election, that usually it's like the beginning of October, there is the initial sort of release of depending on where you're running, it could be a couple hundred voters, it could be thousands of voters that okay. are there for the taking that you can send a mail piece to, right? Because you know that they are definitely voting, you can make sure that they have a piece of your campaign literature on day one, when they received their ballot. That's also sort of would go down a rabbit hole. But there's a whole thought process about how to reach those voters and some strategy there. But absentee voting is very important. It should be part of your political plan. It should be part of your budget. And you should be fundraising to support absentee voter
0: outreach. Susan, how can people contact you?
2: I will give you actually my phone number and email address. I actually have a area code 513 phone number, still proud of it. (laughs) I'll give you my cell phone. It's um, area code 513-508-6143. Or you can email me with any questions at any time. And my email address is just Susan, my first name, S-U-S-A-N, at precision88.com, P-R-E-C-I-S, ion88.com.
1: In closing, we talked about the petition filing date, but let's remember that August 4th is the petition filing date and the election date is November 2nd. We really appreciate your help. Linda, do you want to add any comments about the absentee voting before we leave?
0: Well, Susan, when I was running, I sat down every night to chase ballots I went to the Board of Elections and went to see who pulled for an absentee ballot. And I chased those ballots every night and sent literature out the very next day. And when I ran, I found out that I was ahead, the first person in early votes. And that really counts to add to your total. And I came in first in a nonpartisan race chase those ballots. Don't think that's not important because it's extremely important to new candidates and every candidate.
1: Susan, thank you for taking the time and sharing our listeners with over your 18 years of political experience. And as you said, our listeners can contact you at 513-508-6143. I want to thank our listeners. And I'm sure that they appreciate all the information you've given them. Do you wanna Thanks so say, much, Marianne? Okay, you're welcome, Susan. Okay, I wanna thank our listeners and hope that you have found the information very helpful. And please share this podcast with your friends and family. It can be heard on Apple, Google or Spotify. You know, we at High Heels and Politics would like to hear from you. Contact Marianne Christie at High Heels Politics at gmail.com or Linda at LS Burke 4455 L- at AOL.com.
0: LS is in Sam Burke, B U R K E 4455 at AOL.com.
1: Or contact our producer, Ryan Kulik, at 513-600-8077. Again, 600-8077. Again, thank you for listening.
0: High Heels and Politics with Marianne Christie is produced and engineered by ION Community. Music by Sharad Sate. Subscribe and listen wherever you find your podcasts.